0: anyway um, I just uh, I'm happy to jump into our sermon series dropping dimes and uh, some of you um, who are new you don't know that we're talking about dropping dimes um, we're not we're not talking about Dak Prescott um, when we're talking about dropping dimes although he's been dropping a few of those um, I got some amens in the crowd. Uh, uh, with Stafford Stafford's been dropping some too I just got to give it up for my Detroit um, we're not talking about that kind of dropping dimes. Uh, we're not really. Uh, we're, what, what we're talking about is a story that Roe and I, my wife and I, um, experienced several years ago where we were just asking God for a sign. We were just like, Lord, like if we are where you want us to be, would you just give us a sign? Would you speak to us and help us to know that we are where we're supposed to be? And I think that's a legitimate question. I think that's a legitimate prayer. I think God always answers that prayer. And so um, I'm not against praying for a sign. Now I think if you if you live your life that way, if you say, okay, um, I, I you know should I marry this girl, you know, and then you shake the shake the little eight ball and see what pops up, that's not good. That, that's not a good way. Uh, I was talking to one teenager one time in youth ministry, and he was dating a girl that um, was pretty popular in the youth group for not so good things. And uh, <laughs> I said, uh, man, I don't know. Like, if you want to follow Jesus, be on the worship team. I don't know if she's the one you should be dating. Now, she was very attractive, and so he had definitely heard from God that he was supposed to be dating her. And uh, I said, okay, you know, like, okay, all right, all right. So, so how, did, like, how, how do you know? How did God speak to you? He said, well, I was praying, right, and her name is Ruth. He said, I was praying I had my Bible, and I just dropped it, and it fell open to the book of Ruth. So it must be God. I said, dude, the book of Ruth is right near the middle. I mean, the chances of that opening to the book of Ruth is pretty, pretty strong. And uh, anyway, we have, we have you know, weird ways of determining God's will. And we talked about that the first week, that, that this is not just something that, oh, I'm finding dying, so it must, must be God's will. But the truth is that there is a principle in Scripture that God wants to reveal His will to us is not a hidden secret it is not something that you have to wonder about or worry about that when you pray for god to reveal his will to you god will reveal it and so for for us personally we began finding dimes we started i i said lord i would just like something physical that i that i uh, a friend of mine was finding um dove feathers in his house and i was like that'd be cool how come i can't get dove feathers and shortly after that i started finding dimes under our pillow um, just all over the place, just a single dime, not like, not like a dime and a nickel, not like somebody lost some change out of their pocket, but just a single dime. Or, or, or sometimes we were, we were, when, our, when our house flooded almost a year ago, um, we, were, we were doing the cleanup, and we were telling somebody about the dimes because it seems like whenever, whenever we're questioning, whenever there's a lot of um, trials going on, whenever there's a lot of things going on in our lives, that we begin finding dimes, and it's what God's way of reassuring us. Um, that he's still with us, that we are where we're called to be, um, and uh, uh, and we were, talk- we were telling a couple about this, and just out of thin air, just a dime just dropped right onto the ground, and he's like, did you throw that there, and I'm like, no, I, like that would be too cheesy, I would not do that, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm even critiquing, you know, his, his dime drop, and I'm like, that's a little bit over the uh, over the top, don't you think, uh, but anyway, you know, it's things like that, I don't know if you believe in that kind of thing or not, but It really doesn't matter, because for us, it has been something that God has spoken to us. And strangely enough, um, I'm I'm preaching the sermon series to try to uh, convince you that you can have the same assurance. Uh, It may not come through dimes, but you can have the same assurance. The old timers called it blessed assurance, you know. Yeah, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Uh, There is an assurance, an assurance of salvation, yes, but also an assurance that you are following God, that you are hearing from God, that you are where he wants you to be and i believe god has that for us now i don't don't believe in testing god and saying well i need to find this i need to find that no but if you leave yourself open and say god i want to know that i am where you call me to be to be i believe god will show you that and um so uh for us we're talking about dropping dimes because um we shared this story i shared this story in preaching a year ago and just kind of people started in the church started finding dimes and um It just became kind of this neat thing. And so a lot of our people have been posting on Facebook pictures of dimes. Uh, If you saw that and you wondered about that, that's what this is all about. Um, It seems to be a quirky way that God just kind of confirms his love for us. And so uh, if you want to listen to the past sermons, they're on podcasts on the website. The first week I talked about the fact that whenever I find a dime, it seems like God is saying to me, I see you. Um, I, I see where you're at. I understand your path. I understand your journey. I understand where you've been, and I understand where you're going, and I understand how where you are right now fits into all of that. And for me, personally, I'm always wondering that. I'm always saying, am I on the right track? Am I moving in the right direction? And so God confirms that. I see you, and I know where you're at. And um, uh, the second week, last week, we talked about that really it also um, means value because dimes are a monetary value. I feel like it's God's way of saying I love you and I value you. And we talked about last week how agape is something that, yes, everybody receives from God. But the point of life is not just to receive agape from God, but rather to give agape back to God and to others. That's the point of life. And so if you are loved by God, uh, congratulations. So is everybody else. Um, (laughs) Pat yourself on the back. Jesus loves you. All right. And and every everybody else. But the real point of life, Jesus said, the touchdown, the end zone of life is to agape God and to agape others, to love God and to love others. And so I, I, I get fired up about that. So if you want to listen to that, that's still online. You can go listen to that. But today I'm going to move forward a little bit further that 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 whenever I find a dime for me, uh, it has frequently meant that not only does God see me, not only does God value me, but God uh, is with me that his presence is with me. And it's so important. I think the presence of God is so important um, to your life. Whether you're a Christian, whether you would call yourself a Christian today or not, uh, whether you believe that God exists or not, the presence of God is what distinguishes uh, church from from everything else. During the week, this is a, a cafetorium Try saying that five times real fast. During the week, this is a middle school cafetorium. But when we gather and worship and open the word and pray, the presence of God comes in. Because Jesus said, wherever two or three gather together in my name, there I am. There I am present, right in the middle of them. I come into that place. And that creates an atmosphere that is different from just a regular afternoon eating Uh, cafe cafe food in the cafetorium spilling ketchup on the floor and kool-aid and all that kind of stuff it becomes different it becomes sacred it becomes special because of the presence of god the only thing that separates us from a social club or or, or a good nonprofit that does some good things for the community is the presence of god and so i i want us as a church number one to value the presence of god here when we come together but also to value the presence of god in your life to understand that, that, you, that you need the presence of God. The presence of God is so important to what God wants to do in your life. If you try to accomplish what God has for your life without the presence of God, you'll never be able to do it because you're doing it in your own strength. But when God shows up in your life, when God is present in your life, when, when He is felt, when he is, when, when, he, when he is worshiped, when He is welcomed, when He is walking with you in your life, things begin to change. And David understood this. David uh, understood this. He wrote about this several times in the Psalms. Uh, and, I, and so I would just like to look at a story today, a story that may be familiar to some of you um, if you grew up in the church. But if, if not, um, don't worry. My wife didn't know about this story either. Uh, I was I just threw her under the bus there, but it's all good. Um, we're going to look at 2 Samuel. I'm <laughs> just trying to make everybody feel welcome. 2 uh, Samuel chapter 6, verse 1. Um, it says again, David gathered all of the choice men of Israel. This is 2 Samuel chapter chapter 6. So David has just become king of all of Israel. Uh, It took him a long time, but he finally became king of all of Israel. The first thing he does is he gathers all the choice men of Israel. There were 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from um, Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God. David, the first thing uh, that he does as king over all of Israel is he says, we need to go find the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. And so I have a picture that I'd just like to show you what the ark uh, looks like. What, what, what David is, is, is going for would have looked something similar to this. Uh, it was a box, it was a wooden box that God had commanded his people to build. Uh, when they were in the wilderness, um, God set up the tabernacle. He told Moses exactly how to build the tabernacle. He told the people how to approach the tabernacle so that they could um, house the, the the presence of God. Now, this is this is the amazing thing about God's presence is that God actually wants to dwell with us. That's amazing to me. Like, He wants to dwell with people. He He, he, he dwells in heaven. He fills all of heaven and earth, and yet... He has a desire for relationship with us. So even the very first couple that he created, Adam and Eve, they were in the garden and he would come down and walk with them in the cool of the day because he desires to dwell with us. That's amazing to me. And so God set up a system whereby he could dwell with his people because he can't just dwell with them any old way because they're sinful and he is not. And so uh, they would die basically that's the short answer they would die if they walk into the the pure presence of God in their sinfulness and so God set up a system and the system was you build this this tent and it's actually a series of, of layers there was the outer court then there was the inner court then there was the holy place then there was the most holy place and in the most holy place you were to put this box and this box is a it's a it's a hollow box it's made of wood and then it was overlaid with gold. Uh, on, on each of the four corners, there were, there were, there were um, uh, rings, golden rings where you would slide the golden pole through. And it was, the pole was actually made of wood covered with gold and the poles would go through. The poles were there for carrying, for transportation because when they were in the wilderness, they were a portable church come on somebody so they were setting up and tearing down every every sabbath it was a good it was a good time um and so they had to be able to move so they had wheels on stuff you know what i'm saying so that's so we're a very biblical church right now um yeah so there's there's the picture of the priest uh uh, carrying it but if, if, if you go back to the other pic you'll see on the on the top of it um, God commanded he said I want you to fashion um, out of gold a hammer out of gold two cherubim two angels and he described what they look like because people had never seen them before so he described what they look like and he said I want their wings to be stretching out toward the middle of the box and and what's going to happen is is their wings are going to almost touch and so they have to basically be doing exactly what they're doing right there and then the, the box that top actually comes off and he said I want you to put some stuff in the box and he um, put the, the Ten Commandments, the two tablets of stone that Moses brought down from the mountains. So I want you to put that in there. Uh, he, had a, he had a rod from Aaron. Uh, it was a special rod. He said, put that in there. And then he said, put some of the manna that you've been collecting from the ground. Put that in the box. So they, they obeyed. Put the stuff in the box. Put the lid on the box. Created it just like that. Put it inside of the tent. And then Moses prayed an inauguration prayer. And God came down into smoke. And he filled the entire place. And then his presence rested on the box. And there was a, a blue flame basically glowing in the middle of the wings, the outstretched wings of the, the cherubim. And so, if we go back to the scripture, if we go back to 2 Samuel chapter 6, that's what uh, the writer is talking about. He's talking about that the Lord of hosts, God, dwells between the cherubim, he dwells on top of the box. There was, there was a blue flame, they called it the Shekinah, they called it the glory of God. The, 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 the glory of God was, was permanently glowing and hovering between the wings of the angels on the box. And that box was so special that in Numbers chapter 4, God said no one can ever touch this box. If you touch the box, you die, because it's the pure presence of God. And if you saw Indiana Jones, you know that things don't go well when you touch the box, you know what I'm saying? and so that was based on scripture you know because it's true god said don't touch the box and so so you can't touch it there's a certain way you have to carry it there's very very specific instructions regarding the box because the box did not just simply represent the presence of god the box was the presence of god god was literally on the box (laughs) and that's amazing to me that's just that's just phenomenal to me that god would come down among sinful people among people who mess up all the time and even have the wrong motives oftentimes. And he would say, I want to dwell with you. And so I'm going to sit on this box so that once a year, a priest can come into the holy place and sprinkle blood on the box. I'll see the blood and I'll forgive you of your sins. So even before Jesus came, the heart of God was always to dwell with his people and to cleanse them of their sin. And yet, we, had, we have an issue because the box, the presence of God, is not in Jerusalem. And David becomes king, and David says, we need to bring the box to Jerusalem. And here's why. He says, he says we need to bring the ark of God, whose name is called, the, uh, by the name, the Lord of hosts, the one who dwells between the cherubim. So uh, David was not interested in the box. He was interested in the one who dwells between the cherubim. He was interested in the presence of God. He said, if I'm going to do what I'm called to do, if I'm going to be the king I'm called to be, I need the presence of God with me. Not only is it good to know that God wants to dwell with me, but I need to go bring the presence of God to me. I need it. I'm I'm, I'm telling you, if you are going to be the parent that God's called you to be, if you're going to be the husband or the wife that God's called you to be, Uh, there's, There's a lot of good things out there. There's a lot of good advice. There's some good books you can read, but you'll never be who God's called you to be without the presence of God. You have to prioritize this. This is the first thing David did. This is the first thing of all of the issues of state he had to take care of. He said, before, before, we, have a, before we start appointing the cabinet, before we start deciding who's going to be in charge of that, who's going to be in charge of this, before we start writing laws and figuring things out, even though he had a lot of time to think about it, yet when he became king, he said, before I do any of that, I've got to have the presence of God. It was the first thing. It's got to be the first thing. He prioritized it, and he said, let's go get it. So they set the ark of God on a new cart, that's important. And brought it out of the house of Abinadab. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it just sounds right. Abinadab. Abinah, There we go. <laughs> and This this house was on a hill. And Usa and Ahoy Métis. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, hold on. Okay, so I started mispronouncing and you're like, okay, never mind. We're not going to let him read it. Uh, if we go back and we'll finish reading the, the, the deal. Uh, so I think that's Ahai, ah, e, or Ahai-O, oh, the sons of Abinadab, basically Abinadab's kids. They drove the new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. I'm going to go on to the next verse. We'll see what, what happens as they're driving this cart out. Now, remember, they were supposed to carry it, not drive it, but they're, they're driving it on a new cart. This is accompanying the ark of the Lord and and, uh, Chips Ahoy went before the ark then <laughs> I'm slaughtering his name. I'm sorry. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord. I mean, they had Bethel out there. They were rocking out 30,000 people, right? This is a concert. They're worshiping. They're, 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 they're playing all these, all these instruments, the uh, firwood and harp stringed instruments, tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. And when they came to Nakin's threshing floor, which really isn't very far away from Abinadab's house, they came to Achan's threshing floor. Uzzah put out his hand to the ark. Of Of God and took a hold of it. And this is the excuse that's given because the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. The word error, it sounds like it means a mistake. It, It literally means to lead people into deception or to deceive people. He struck him there for deceiving people. We'll get into that here in a second. And so he died there by the ark of god. I think it's in uh a uh, uh, chronicles where this is mentioned the story is mentioned again and the, the 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 language is a little more graphic. It really means that that god um launched out like launched out from the box and 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 he like exploded. His body parts just everywhere. <laughs> it's kind of graphic. And uh he's he's just he's just dead right there on the sp- on on the scene. And if we go into the next verse verse 8, uh, he's uh, David sees this, he becomes angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of that place. Like, they renamed the name of that place. It used to be uh, the threshing floor. Now he called it Perez Uzzah, which means to break out against Uzzah to this day. And, verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord Come to me. So David wouldn't move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but instead took it aside into the house of Obed Edom, the Gittite. Now, we're going to talk about Obed Edom here in a second because it's pretty, some, some neat things happen when Obed Edom has the ark of the Lord in his house. But if we go back to the, to the previous verses, I want to first look at um, really this, this story is about three people. It's about David and his heart for the presence of God in his delight david actually wrote in the psalms he said he said that in your presence is fullness of joy so he understood the power and the importance of the presence of god he prioritized the presence of god and he is doing what he knows to do to bring the presence of god to him but there's a problem and there's typically is a problem whenever we want the presence of god and uh being somebody who grew up in church um i literally like literally i was two weeks old when i went to my first service um, I was dedicated as a baby. Um, I, I grew up you know, like under, un, like sleeping under the seats while my folks are having prayer meetings and stuff like that. Like like I know I know what it is to be around the presence of God, and I know what it is to be around people who want the presence of God, who have a heart for the presence of God. But often there is some obstacles, there is some some things that block that and 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 when god is dropping dimes he is saying i want to dwell with you i want to be with you and i want to bless you but there's some obstacles to this and i think usa shows us exactly what some of these obstacles are now this is interesting because uh the story of the ark you know it's, it's not in jerusalem where you would think it would be Instead, David's having to go get it from somewhere. Why is David having to go get it from somewhere? Well, because uh, quite a while back, some Philistines had busted through um, the lines of the, of, of, the, of the Israelis, and they had stolen the ark. Uh, they had brought it back to their god, and uh, almost as a trophy, like a trinket. Like, here's this, here's this, look at this golden box that we stole from those people. We are presenting it to our god, Dagon. And they brought it into the temple of their god. is a big 20-foot tall stone statue of Dagon. And they put it in front of Dagon. And they said, wow, look, like this, this, is, this is for you, buddy. And then they, they closed the doors and they went to sleep. They came back in the next morning. And Dagon had fallen over, <laughs> had broken and fallen over face down in front of the box. And they said, well, that's a funny coincidence. That's never happened before. Uh, wow, and that must have been the earthquake or something. I don't know. We need to fix our God, you know. So they got some, some mortar and glue and super glue and stuff. And they got some ropes. They pulled him up. They spent all day fixing him, propping him back up. And they said, look, this is, you're supposed to be standing up like this. And so they got it. They got it looking just right. And then they went to bed. And they came in the next morning. And Dagon was on his face again in front of the ark. But this time his head had broken off and his hands had broken off. and now it started to sink in see these dimes wouldn't have worked with these guys but now it's starting to sink in they say wait a minute hold up his head's broken which is his authority and his hands are broken which is his power the 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 presence of God. This this is what the presence of God does when it comes into contact with some of the biggest demons and some of the biggest uh, uh, strongholds. It breaks the authority that's standing in front of it, and it destroys the power or the hold that that thing has over a region. And they say, well, we we kind of like our God. We kind of like our authority and our power. And so we need to get this thing out of our town. There's some there's some demons that will only bow in front of the pure presence of God. There's some. There's some things that, that counseling isn't gonna deal with. There's some things that therapy's not gonna help with. I believe in counseling and therapy. My wife is a therapist counselor. And so and so I I, I get a lot of that actually every day. It's very helpful. And 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 and, and. <laughs> self-reflection introspect I know I need it and so it's very very helpful but man but there are some times that that, 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 that it's not it's, it's not it's, it's not a, it's not a thought it's not a wrong thought that's in your head it's a wrong spirit that's in that's in your heart it's a it's a demonic power that has sway or hold over you and so and so you can reason with that thing and you can try to suggest to that thing that it should let you go but it's never gonna let you go until you get the presence of God right in front of it and when it sees the presence of God it's, its authority is broken in its hands, its power, its grip is loose. Anyway, I kind of feel like preaching today. So uh, he, he, that's, 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 that's what the presence of God does. It's a visual demonstration of what God does in the spiritual realm. And so they said, man, we've got to get this thing out of here because we like our bondage. We like our deception. And so they put it on a cart, got two cows, slapped the cows on the butt, sent it out. And, and, and it wandered into this other city that was a part of Israel and those guys didn't know the rules of the ark and so they opened the top of the ark to see what was, it was a box open see what's inside and 50,000 people died that day I mean, that is uh, that is that is the Raiders of the Lost Ark right there uh, 50,000 people died that day and they said we don't know what to do with this we need to get this thing out of here and so somebody uh, Abinadab most believed that he was a Levite said I know what to do with it and I'll take it the problem was there wasn't a king at that time. There wasn't a king in Israel. Everybody was just kind of trying to do what they knew best. And so Abinadad took it into his house. And for the first time in human history, the presence of God didn't dwell in a tabernacle or in a holy place. It dwelt in the living room. <laughs> and People walked by Abinadad's house at night and there was a blue glow coming from his living room. And they said, what's that? Oh, 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 oh that's, that's, that's where God lives. I thought that was Abinadad's house. No, no it's God's house now. His presence is there. That's where God is. If anybody wanted to go into the presence of God, they come over to Abinadad's living room. It's powerful, it's powerful. But 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 what's so interesting to me is you never hear about Abinad. You never hear about anything about him. You don't he's not he's not he's not blessed, he's not he's not doing anything, he's just babysitting the box. For sixty years, he's babysitting the box. And this is, this is something that I think is interesting because I've been in church a long time and, and there are a lot of people that, that like to be around the box and like to hang out and, and, and sit with it and, and, and see it and hear it. But there was no blessing attached to the babysitting of the box. Abinadab wasn't blessed. In fact, we see that Abinadab's son who grew up with the box in his house is the guy who dies because he mishandles the box it's interesting to me the guy who grew up as a toddler for 60 years this thing has been in their household and he Uzzah would have grown up around the box seeing the box asking his parents about it wondering all about what what, what are those rings for what are the what are are the poles for what are the angels for what's the blue glow all about and they would have heard all the stories about the presence of God and Uzzah knew more than anybody else in that 30,000 people crowd the power of this box and the respect that he should have for this box but 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 something caused him to do what everybody knew you're not supposed to do he reached up and grabbed it he reached up and grabbed why why would he do that well in order to figure that out you have to go back to the way that he decided to transport it 30,000 people show up at his dad's house and he has built a new cart Now, it's supposed to be carried on poles, right? And there's supposed to be four Levites, one at each corner, putting the pole on their shoulder. And this is how it was carried throughout the Old Testament, throughout the wilderness. Every time they packed up and moved, they never put this thing on a cart. You always put it on a shoulder. But Abinadad, uh, 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 Yuza, his name means strength. It's actually a dual-meaning name. It's a Hebrew name. Uh, It has two meanings, though the first meaning is strength. And so Uzzah says, that's, that's, that's cool and everything, but that's going to take forever, right? We put this thing on people's shoulders in the Middle Eastern sun and we try to walk all the way to Jerusalem. We're going to get worn out. It's going to take like a week just to get there. Um, you know, people are going to be dying, getting tired. Their legs are going to be blowing out their kneecaps, you know, because this box wasn't light. It was overlaid with gold, it was pretty big. Uh, there, I, Actually, if you go online and search, you know, how heavy was the box, you're going to find estimates from anywhere from 200 pounds to 4,000 pounds. Personally, I think the 4,000 is a little bit exaggerated. I did read one uh, a, a Jewish author who, just, who, had, who had done all this research, and he nailed it down to 183 pounds. He felt like it probably weighed 183 pounds. The type of gold that they would have had, the purity of that gold, and all this details that I don't really know about. But anyway, so he measured it all out. He said 183 pounds It's still heavy. It seventy-two pounds for each man on on his shoulder as you walk through the through 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 the Middle Eastern desert and 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 Uzzah says, wait a minute! I I have a better idea because I'm strong, so I, I'm not going to rely on this 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 protocol that we've been told how to do this. Instead, I've built this cart specifically for. The ark, specifically for the box, and you know Uza was a detail-oriented guy. You know that every board was just straight. Everything was was aligned just perfectly. He was he was a bit OCD, you know, because because he's strong. His name means strong, and and and, and strength is good. Strength is fine. In fact, I think in, in the American culture we value strong. We value strong candidates and strong economies and strong marriages and strong kids and strong educations. Like strong football team. Like we like strong because there's a bit of independence that comes with strength a bit of power that you can make your own decisions and and yeah yeah they had said way back a couple hundred years ago, we're supposed to carry this thing on our shoulders. But man, this is, this, is, this is a new age. I mean, this is 1000 BC we're talking here. Like everything's new. We're gonna change it up a little bit and we're gonna, we're gonna build a new cart that's built specifically for it. And we're gonna get some really strong animals. The strongest animals we can find, the oxes, right? So strong, strong animals, strong cart, strong Uza driving the cart. We're gonna get this thing there faster and easier and more efficiently. And the problem the problem is, strength is not bad, but oftentimes, strength can uh, can be a substitute for sacrifice. It can be a substitute for sacrifice because uh, Uzzah says, "I don't want to put this thing on my shoulder. I'll just drive the cart. I'll build a strong cart. It'll be fine. It'll get there. Like the end result will be exactly the same thing, but." The journey isn't, won't have to be so heavy. It won't have to be so difficult. And it's very tempting. It's very tempting to ask for a miracle when really God just wants you to act in obedience. It's, re- it's really tempting. And this is true in all areas of life. It's really tempting to, to, to seek out for God to do something and it's easy it's it's tempting to FedEx the box to Jerusalem <laughs> next day air man they're gonna bubble wrap that thing we got a cart it's all good it's gonna get we don't have to because 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 the process that God had set up it's it's, it's laborious the process that God had set up takes forever the process that God had set up is heavy and I don't want that on me Right? I mean, when I can have a cart with wheels and let these oxen take the weight, why wouldn't I do that? We still get the presence there. The presence of God still goes to Jerusalem. The end result is still, it's just a process that we're just shortcutting a little bit. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna ask God for a miracle because we want that right there we want children that that, that 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 are serving God we want a phenomenal marriage we want a strong church but we're just gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna bypass the process a little bit because we because we think that there's a quicker better easier way And we pretend like we're concerned about others oh I don't want my chips ahoy brother to be carrying this thing on his shoulder for so long you know what I'm saying yeah, you know, I'm concerned about that. They're looking kind of tired, those thirty thousand guys. I don't know choice men. That's not a very choice to me. They're all, you know. I don't know about that. Well, I got a cart. We'll just, you know what? Hey, I I got this. All all y'all, as they would say in Texas. All y'all. <laughs> That's a combination of y'all and all. All is a real word. Y'all is not and um so we put it together all y'all all All y'all you guys just worship dance play some harps or whatever we got this cart thing there's a bit of strength that can be a substitute for sacrifice because god wasn't looking for the best and easiest and most efficient way to get to get the box from one location to another because the animals that that and the cart the animals that Uzzah chose they were strong they had strong backs but they had weak eyes They didn't have good vision. They pull stuff for all day long, pull heavy stuff, but they couldn't see when there was a bump in the road, and they ran into a bump in the road pretty quickly, as you're going to do in life. And so you run into a bump in a road because you didn't, you weren't, you weren't looking ahead. You were just, you were just trying to pull this thing. You were just trying to move the presence of God. You were just trying, you were just trying to get to the destination without watching where you're going, and and the ox stumbles. And now the ox has stumbled, and Uzzah turns around and his beautiful cart, though strong, is not balanced. (laughs) And the presence of God won't sit on your imbalanced life. (laughs) This This is why I believe that God said that the reason that he struck Uzzah was for leading people into deception. Because Uzzah basically tried to hold up the ark so that it would stay on an imbalanced cart as if the cart was balanced. So he said, I'll, I'll apply some pressure, I'll try a little bit harder, I'll get my strength, and my strength will help make it look like I'm balanced even though I'm not. My, my strength will help it look like I got things all together on, on, the, on, on the underneath, even though the top is, 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 is showing that we are not exactly straight anymore and we are, we are sliding off the hill. But I'm going to try to stop the effects of sin without stopping sin in my heart. I'm going to try to stop the effects of, 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 of bitterness without actually dealing with the bitterness sin in my life. The, the, the stuff that's sliding off the top, I'm going to try to stop that, but I, I don't need to change the way that I'm carrying this thing. I'm gonna bring the presence of God into my family, and I, you know, hey, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't really have to treat my wife like Christ treated the church, but that's fine because I'm just, I'm just gonna bring it in with brute force and ignorance, right? I'm just gonna pound it in. We're gonna, we're gonna read our Bible, doggone it. We're gonna, we're gonna pray, doggone it. Kids, you wanna be happy, and uh, you know, like, like, like all this stuff. We're going to, we're just going to, we're just gonna prop up. The presence of God. Because we need it, and we don't want people to notice that our cart has lost its balance. And things get topsy-turvy, and and it's just a matter of time. Uzzah responds instinctively. He responds with strength. He's been relying on his own strength anyway, and now he responds in it. And that's what kills him. Because God said, no. If the box is sliding, then the box is sliding because you put it on something you weren't supposed to put it on. You, you weren't you weren't willing to get under it. You weren't willing to put it on your shoulder. You wanted. You wanted to put off the responsibility of bringing the presence of God into your city or into your family or into your society. You want to put that off on a system. You want to put that off on a structure. You want to put that off on an email. You want to put that off on church or, or a preacher or a, or a children's or a, or a youth pastor. You want to put that off. on that. And, and you weren't willing to shoulder it yourself. You weren't willing to take the weight yourself. You want to put it off on something else. Now what you put it off on is failing you. Because it always will, because it was never meant to be put off on something else. Uh, oxen weren't meant to bring the presence of God into a place. God specifically designed it so that humans would be the carrier of the presence of God. It has to come in on your shoulder, it has to come in on our shoulders. If God is going to show up in South Austin, it has to come on our backs. It cannot come on a crusade or, or Billy Graham's son coming in or us electing some, some certain leader. It It has to come in on our backs. That's why That's why we reach out to this neighborhood. That's why, this, that's why yesterday, Saturday, the youth, I think four youth, and my brother and his wife showed up, and they prayer walked the neighborhood. Prayer walking is when you pray and walk at the same time. It's very complicated, very difficult. Most of you probably shouldn't attempt it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just telling you, like, like, because, because, because if we are going to take the land, if we are going to reach out and break the spirit of Dagon that's over this place, we cannot afford to hope that they come into this church. We cannot afford to hope that they listen to our podcast. We cannot afford to hope that they, that they just think, oh, boy, I think I should go to church today. No, we have to be carriers of the presence of God ourselves. We have to walk these streets and claim this soil. It has to be us. It cannot be anybody else. Nobody else is coming. Forty churches have been planted in South Austin in the last five years, and you look around, tell me how many are still standing. <laughs> That's the stat that they told me when I told them I wanted to plant a church in South Austin. I said, well, praise God, glory hallelujah, I guess this ain't Dallas. <laughs> All right, here we go. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not easy. And it's not easy not because these people are more sinful than other people. No, it's not easy because spiritual principalities have hold and have sway over people's minds in this place. And they're not ready to give it up so easily. We, uh, we were doing, a, we were doing a, a, a cleanup day here, here at the school weeks four weeks ago and um uh, a bunch of us 40 of us showed up and uh just just mowed stuff and weed-eated and clipped stuff and i don't know, did a whole bunch of things that got my allergies going and um it was fun but um, most of all it was it was good for camaraderie for us as well as the teachers we worked alongside of the school folks and it's a great witness to the parents who drive up who can now read the words williams elementary <laughs> <laughs> they could not read it before Bob chopped some a whole lot of stuff down, and so now they can read it. And so it's so it's a witness that we are here for them, that we love them, that we care about them. And so we were gonna do that and um, at that, I don't know if you remember, but at that time, the grass was like like knee high, it was ridiculous. Like in order to come to church, like you drive into the Amazon, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I was I was frustrated by that and I was like, man, our people like deserve like a slightly mowed lawn. And the kids, like there could be snakes out there during the week as these kids are going to school because the grass is so high. Like So I told my wife, I said, we're gonna get our riding lawnmower. we're gonna take it, I haven't been authorized to do this, we're just gonna do it on the sneaky. And we're just gonna drive, up and down. we're going to mow the whole place, okay? And then I saw on Facebook, like the night before, somebody posted, oh, the, thank the Lord they mowed the lawn. The city mowed the lawn. I'm like, well, that's awesome. I need to go check this out. So I come out. I come out right at 9:30 at night. I text JT. I'm like, man, I'm 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 going to go check and see if I need to bring the lawnmower or not. So I'm driving out here 9:30 at night. It's dark. I'm I pull up and a lot of it's mowed. I'm thinking, oh, well, this is great. And so I come around the back and um, there's there's an entrance along the back of the school where they where they drop the kids off and pick them up. And the gates are open. I thought, oh, well, that's kind of odd. I'll be pulling here to see if the the field's been mowed and all this different stuff. And so I so I drive in, you know, and everything's looking pretty good. Okay, everything's great. And uh, I, I go do the turnaround. There's some little buildings back there. I go do the turnaround. I come around the turnaround. And my headlights uh, expose um, a couple teenagers that apparently I interrupted something. And this, this, this kid is pulling his pants up frantically. And I got the headlights on him. And I'm like, hey, Jesus loves you. Okay, good dressed. And, uh, you know, and the, the, this girl's back there. She's like horrified, you know. And, and, so, and, so, and so I pull away and I call Ro. I'm like, babe, I think I prevented a teen pregnancy tonight. I think I, think I prevent. The Lord works in mysterious ways, you know. He's like, why don't you just go drive over there? But, and that's sort of funny. And, and at the same time, sort of like the election, hilarious and tragic. It's hilarious that, you know, that, that I had to, you know, rudely interrupt these kids, pull their pants up. Um, it's tragic that they think that's normal. It's tragic that they're so ignorant. And I don't mean that in a bad way or a mean way. I mean they just don't know. Like, they just don't know what that's doing to them. They just don't know what that's going to cost them. They just, nobody, nobody sat them down and told them. Nobody's, nobody's warned them about any. Of, like, they just don't know. They live in this neighborhood, and apparently... It's okay to be in the back of the school and, I mean, like, like, they just don't know. And, and the reason they don't know is because they come from homes that are even worse because there's drugs going on in the living room on Friday night. That's why they don't. And so the, the, the air, this area that we have to, to reach and to reach out to the, is a stronghold of the enemy. Why do you think there's never been a church at Williams Elementary? I mean, for crying out loud, it is not easy. And if you're looking for easy, you're at the wrong church, because we are not concerned about what is the easiest way to get the presence of God into our city. I'm not concerned what's the easiest way for me to have a great marriage, the easiest way to raise kids. You're asking the wrong question. (laughs) Nothing that's worthwhile is easy. Nothing that's significant is simple. Nothing that is significant is going to be easy. It's everything that is worth a lot is going to be costly. And, 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 and really, if you're going to take the presence of God into a city, you're, it's going to come because you got bruises on your shoulder. It's going to come because your knees are feeling like they're about to blow out. It's going to come on the sweat of your brow and the work of humanity. Because that's how God brings the presence of God. He brings it on the backs of people who are willing to get under the weight of the calling that God put on their life and stay there and walk there until it is finished. So that's what I'm looking for at City Chapel. I'm looking for people who are willing to get under with me. I got a corner. Do you have a corner? Like, Like I would like for you to get a corner. Because there are plenty of people that are ready to criticize the guy who's carrying something. And that's fine and everything. You know, critics are always going to be around. But usually the people who are criticizing aren't carrying. (laughs) And so I'm looking for carriers, not criticizers. I'm I'm not looking for complainers. I'm looking for carriers, for people who are ready to carry the presence of God into a city. And we might not do it perfectly, and it might take a really long time. But I am going to die with a bruise on my shoulder. I am going to walk with a limp until I... And when Jesus comes back, he's going to find me doing what... I was called to do and I don't know how long I don't know the bondage that these people are in I don't know how long it's going to take to get them out of bondage but I do know that if nobody brings the presence of God into this area it's never going to come if everybody avoids it, if everybody walks away from it, if everybody is scared of it. Look, God is not intimidated by Austin. God is not scared of Austin's newfound religion, which changes every single week. God is not scared. <laughs> There's a new one every week. Is the goddess or something. God's not freaked out by that. He's not intimidated by that. I mean, he sat in front of Dagon, and he's like, so what you gonna do? You gonna fall now or later? Arms gonna break and heads gonna break? God's not intimidated by bondage. God's not intimidated by sin. He's not, he's not scared away by by addictions. But he is looking for people that are willing to take the weight themselves. That are willing to say, I'm not going to ask for a miracle when really I just need to act on obedience. I'm not going to shove it off to some magical thing that God could do somehow, some way, when there are practical, simple things that I know I can do right now where I'm at I can prayer walk the neighborhood I can prayer drive the neighborhood I can I can uh, I can set up a fall festival on October 31st total hypothetical situation um <laughs> a fall festival on October 31st where we're going to have hayride and we're going to have face painting and we're going to give kids all sorts of candy. Not because I'm celebrating Halloween, but because if if, if they're not going to come in here, I'm going to go out there. And guess when they're out there? On Halloween, they're walking around in dumb costumes. So that's when I'm going to show up and that's when I'm going to tell them that God loves them. That's where I'm going to throw a bunch of candy at them and paint their faces to remind them that the church is not just something that happens on Sunday morning from 10 to 11. The church is me. The church the presence of god i'm a carrier of this it's going with me i'm not scared of the darkness the darkness is repelled by the light you bring the light into the darkness and the darkness goes away as long as the church hides behind its walls it will never disperse the darkness you can't sit in a bit of house and hope that somehow it's going to get into jerusalem no i'm going to carry it and i'm going to put it on my back and i'm going to take responsibility for my house and I'm going to take responsibility for my marriage. And I'm going to take responsibility for my church. And I'll take the weight and I'll walk with it. And maybe I can't run with it. Maybe I can't jog with it. But I'm going to take a step. And then tomorrow I'm going to take another step. And if I have to steady myself and if I get tired and someone's got to come in and help me out, then then, then that's fine. There's 30,000 people hanging out. Cool, you, hey, come help me. We, we, we have to take the weight and the weight is not too much god would never make it too much that's why i don't think it was four thousand pounds but but if you look at the rest of the passage if you, if you go on down to uh, i think it's verse 10 uh, uh verse 11 yeah it says that david wouldn't move the ark because he was afraid of god it's so interesting that sometimes the result of our disobedience causes us to be afraid of god <laughs> god is the same It's just Uzzah had messed up. And so he takes it into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, and the Ark of the Lord remained in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. That's what happens. Look, three months. It had been 60 years in Abinadad's house and no blessing. But three months with Obed-Edom, what's the difference? God like obed better? No? Obed actually is one of the guys, after three months, David hears about this, and David says, hey, let's go get the ark the right way. And Obed is one of the guys who puts it on his shoulder. In other words, people who are willing to get under it receive the blessings of it. But people who just want to be around it, they miss it. You just want to be a spectator, you just want to watch. you just want to you know, ooh, I kind of like the little goosebumps I, I, I like the feeling of that. That's fine. but is your shoulder sore? Do you have bruises on your back from carrying it? Because the blessings don't come to those who are around it. the blessings come to those who are under it. <laughs> and so obed Edom in three months. His whole household is blessed. His finances are blessed. His marriage is blessed. He starts having all these kids. The Bible says he has eight sons, which in those days was a huge blessing. His family, I, I don't, I don't want that. Um, I have one, that's enough. Uh, he's kind of like eight, though. Micah is, is, is the equivalent of eight sons. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a great blessing to have to a have little Micah in your life. Um, but, but, I'm, but, but, I'm, but I'm telling you, the Lord blesses his family. He blesses his, his finances. He blesses his land. He blesses his crops. He blesses his carts. He blesses his oxen. He blesses the weather around his house. He blesses every aspect of obed That's what God wants to do. That is God's heart. Uzzah was never what God wanted. But Obed-Edom shows us that when you're willing to get under it, then the blessings come from it and just pours out on you. And Obed-Edom gets addicted to the presence of God. And Obed-Edom actually goes with the ark into Jerusalem. And Obed-Edom volunteers to play music for them. Um, which if some of you want to volunteer to play music for us, that would be a very biblical thing to do. Um, just throwing it out there. And uh, Obed-Edom says, I want to be a worship leader. And Obed-Edom starts, you know, do, playing. And then, then Obed-Edom becomes becomes a, a, a gatekeeper. We find him several chapters later guarding the door of the house of God because he just doesn't want to get very far away from it. Because he's been under it. <laughs> when, you, when you've been under it, you understand not just the weight of it. You feel the weight of it. But you've you understand the glory of it. And when when Roe and I got under City Chapel, we, it's a heavy thing, but it's not too heavy. And you understand how awesome it is to be sitting with, with people and hearing about what God's doing in their life. You get a front row view. How awesome it is to be the church that God chose to come into Williams Elementary and minister to these streets. How awesome it is that God would trust us with these people, that God would say, how about you reach out to them? Because I think I think you can handle them. <laughs> I think you can shepherd them. I think you can have enough grace for them. It's an amazing thing to be under it. It's heavy, but it's never too heavy. And when you're under it, you realize the glory of it. You realize the goodness of it, and you don't wanna leave. So this is my my altar call to you. I was reading this last night, and I just felt like the Lord said, how about how about you give me three months? <laughs> three months, and uh, I, maybe the Lord was just talking to me, give him three months of something. But I was like, three months, three months, like, I'm not good at math, but it's like, it's October now, 23rd. Three months is exactly our second birthday. I so said, that's very interesting. That's our, our second birthday. And, and, I, and, and I don't know what you're going through, but what if what if you gave God three months, Of getting under it, so I'm going to get under it for three months. I'm going to, I'm going to wake up every day, and I'm going to, I'm going to treat my wife like Christ treats the church. And I don't know if it works or not. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to get under it. If I take a step, fine. If I don't, I'm under it. Or maybe you are a wife, and you say, I'm going to wake up every day, and I'm going to treat my husband like the the church treats Christ. Or what if what if you said for three months I'm going to be consistent in my parenting? I'm not going to say stuff and not do it. I'm going to be consistent. <laughs> three months. I'm just going to be consistent. I'm going to be. I'm, what I say is what I do. Hello. And for three months we're okay. Never mind. Um, if it, like, <laughs> or maybe or maybe it is serving. I don't know. Maybe it is serving in some area of the church for three months. Just just say for three months I'm going I'm, I'm I'm going to get under, set up and tear down. I'm going to get under playing drums with t or something. i don't know like whatever it is that there's 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 a weight for all of us of a calling of god on our lives and the purpose there's an end game there's an end goal but if you ever want to get to the end zone you have to establish a running game You, you can't just chuck it and hail mary it all the all your life those of you that don't know football never mind but a running game is that thing that teams do, which often doesn't make any sense. They run up the middle, and they, game, they fall forward for one yard. Now, if you're Zach, if you're you know, Elliot, then that's different. But most teams, they run up the middle for like a yard, and they just keep doing it. And then they, But the thing is, a run game sets up the big plays you're always chucking it you're just going to get picked off if you're always just like man i hope i hope church today works you know i hope you know i did that one thing man i hope that works okay go 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 long because we got it's fourth and a hundred no 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 if you just establish a run game the daily grind hitting the, the hitting the linebackers coming right up there pushing the line a little bit you run it three times and then you punt it and then you run it three times and then you punt it and then you run it until the defense respects your run game because the enemy's not, the, the not going to respect your, 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 your run game if you don't have any. If you're always going for the deep bomb and you have no daily devotion, he's going to be like, okay, I'm just going to drop back, and I'm going to intercept the deep stuff, the big stuff. I'm going to crash your big stuff. But if you establish a run game, a daily commitment to move with Christ underneath what he's called you to do, Without complaining, without gossiping, without mer- maybe it's three months of just no talking bad about people over the phone. You know what I mean? Three months of just controlling your tongue. Maybe 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 it's three months of controlling your anger. Maybe it's three months. I mean, we're talking, you know, hard stuff. This is getting under it. This is life. I'm not jumping up and down in church. This is life. But that's the run game and that's where the battles are won. So would you bow your head and close your eyes with me?